Okay, so week three of quarantine. How how are we doing? Anyone ready to, to kill someone? Anyone actually done it? Clay? Uh, lad, don't be mean. Like no, 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 no. I know Chloe definitely didn't mean that. But like, is it really tough down there though? Like, what what is it that Jews think my dad is like? Like the policeman in intermission. What is it with you and that film? I thought everybody in the inner city loved intermission. First of all, Cabra is not the inner city, okay? And like, second of all, it's set in Tala, Katie. That's like a bajillion miles away. Uh, oh, okay, they, okay. They have like about 27 different buses that go out there because it's like its own bleeding okay. solar system out okay, there. Okay, okay, Chloe, Jesus. They've got their own language and like currency and I'm pretty sure they're not in the EU. Okay, no Jesus Christ, Chloe. It's probably a little silly, but I... I sort of feel like we have to clarify that Tala is part of the Greater Dublin area and as such is absolutely part of the EU. Do you have two corroborating sources on that, Sasha? <sighs> Don't be a reply guy, Chloe, Jesus. <gasps> Katie, how could you? You were legitimately sea lining right there, dude. <gasps> Don't know what that means. <laughs> I'll send you the comic, all right? More reading. <laughs> um, okay, but uh, Clee, yeah, based on that, are we to take it that uh, things are a little less stressful in uh, in Casa O'Neill this week? Oh, like no, my head is still erect. Like I just, I just don't want to kill him. Is the thing? Oh, no, it's <laughs> fair. So the uh, the latest development is that the uh, the PP PP parish priest. Ugh country people <laughs> no yeah the, the, the PP has uh, seen that daddy sorry I'm itchy nice oh that's nice get in there okay oh, oh, Jesus close. seen that oh. uh, daddy is at a loose end with the, uh, the whole quarantine situation and uh, the pub's closed he's uh, enlisted his help in uh, informing the town that there will be no blessed palms this year Pams. Oh my God, Sarah, it was Pam Sunday last Sunday, you big Protestant. I'm not Protestant, Chloe. Jesus Christ. Well, th- then why didn't you know about Pam Sunday? Because I'm 18. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Able for this new Saoirse. I swear. But yeah, I know. I think like Father Ryan was, he might have been getting too many questions about the whole Pam thing. And uh, he knows that like daddy won't be able to handle more than like five minutes of answering questions without like losing his temper. So I think it's the best way for, yeah, Father Ryan to like get his fan club to leave him alone was to bring daddy in. The, the priest has... The priest has a fan club. No, like, like I know it sounds ridiculous, but like, no, seriously, there's this gang of owl ones, two different sets of sisters, two different families, like, and after every mass, they're actually all over him. It's it's like they're asking him to sign autographs. It's terrifying. Like, he did the funerals for their mothers, I think it was last year, and they like died a few months apart and like... Ever since then, they've been actually racing each other as soon as the mass is over to like touch the hem of the garment. Like it's, it's, I've never seen Anton like it outside of, you know, a Drake concert. Oh my God, you went to see Drake. Oh, okay. I should have been clearer what I would imagine a Drake concert to (laughs) to be like. I was thinking like. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's that's kept daddy uh, fairly busy. So, you know, I've been able to like catch up on assignments and stuff. Oh my God, girls, this online classes thing, it's bollocks, right? It is not great. I don't think it's too bad. Excuse me while I die of shock. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you guys are finding it hard, you know, like we we could get a study group or something together, you know, like do the assignments at the same time, you know, on like a video chat or something, you know, hold each other accountable, that kind of thing. 
It's not a bad show, actually. Hmm. <laughs> Access to that Flannery Brian, you say? The possibility of Tig walking around shirtless in the background, <laughs> like, you say? Like, do you have to be quite so thirsty, like, all the time, I dude? can assure you that Tig is always fully clothed and rarely in my room, Chloe. <sighs> just ruined this on me <laughs> but like since we don't have you know labs anymore maybe thursday mornings what do you guys think yeah that that work yeah i think so like yeah the lion thing is it's getting a bit old isn't it hey speak for yourself man <laughs> and, well like maybe if you didn't spend like half the night playing that stupid game dude i, I will not stand for defamation of possibly the best game of the last 10 years it, it, 10 years kitty Come on, like... Animal Crossing is, like, 20 million times better than watching Lara Croft's ass bounce from temple to temple, man. Uh, hey. Here, don't you be talking about Lara Croft's arse, Katie, okay? Bitch, be packing heat. Don't you Don't you bring that jealousy in here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose Tomb Raider's pretty okay. Um, but yeah, um, Animal Crossing is class. And my orchard is is growing beautifully. Thank you all for asking. Were you able to grow an arse as nice as Lara Croft's on one of them peach trees, Kay? Oh no. Gosh. Were you not? It's not even Oh, funny. I didn't think so. God, will you please Yeah, just... I didn't think so, Kay. Oh my God. It like, genuinely has not been worth making you keep quiet about the band that shall not be named all week. I just... Oh, God. Oh, oh did, did it not afford you enough time to build that stupid shop that you insisted on needing to build and that's why I couldn't talk about what I wanted to talk about uh, that stupid shop is what is going to get me as many sky eggs as possible during the egg day festivities this week okay I I do not even want to know what that means uh, you know what I don't care I don't care because I'm too excited to find out what egg related recipes I'm going to find in the messages in bottles on the beach this week you know oh, that sounds so nice serious question Messages in bottles, message in bottles, messages in bottles, right? Maybe bottles with messages? This is confusing. I genuinely don't understand why we're talking about this. This is not real. It's a video game. It's not real. And BTS are. Like, Katie, I do appreciate that, like, they look like otherworldly angels, you know, and I, I kind of like that you've seen that finally. But, like, now they chincha are real people. Do you, well, first of all, how do you even know that you're, like, pronouncing that right? Real talk? I don't. But, you know, I think that the effort is the main thing. Okay, debatable, but let's move on. Um... Secondly, do you ever think that, like, throwing random Korean words into conversation is, like, fetishization or, like, cultural appropriation, you know? Any other ization-type words you want to try in there, Kay? No. No, 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 I think I'm good. Thanks, Lee. No hassle. Why are you, like, joking when, like, Katie's actually attacking my character right now? Why would you even say that? It's a genuine question. You're not Korean. So, like, I can't listen to, like, Korean music? That's not what I'm saying, and you know it's not what I'm saying. Like, posing with your hands over your face is is what I'm talking about. Or, like, calling some guy, like, what's that word that you use? Incredibly handsome? No, that's two words, and it's a Korean word. Taebak. Chaoseng gyosoyeol. Any of them? You really upset me. I know. It's one of my favourite things about myself. <laughs> no, you mean Opa, don't you? Uh, yes, that is exactly... I can't believe you, seriously. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's a word that, like, Korean people use. But you're, like, out here in, like, Cabra 
using it, spelling well, it with our alphabet, okay. probably wrong. Here, I know what you're trying to do, okay? And it's not going to work. I'm not going to stop talking about them. Shit. <laughs> well, um, seeing as how we're not exactly able to, you know, persuade uh, each other to do anything right now. Oh, that was nice, Sarah. That was that was nice. <laughs> like before the segue was even over. Really? <laughs> That's how good it was, fam. Seriously. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take it. But um, yeah, here, let's let's talk persuasion. Um, will we start with with an L uh, blurb, Clee? Well, oh, yeah, sure. Um, okay. Of all Jane Austen's great and delightful novels, uh, as opposed to her undelightful ones, um, sorry, um, of all Jane Austen's great and delightful novels, Persuasion is widely regarded as the most moving. It is the story of a second chance. Anne Elliot, daughter of the snobbish Sir Walter Elliot, is a woman of quiet charm and deep feelings. When she was 19, she fell in love with and was engaged to a naval officer, the fearless and headstrong Captain Wentworth. But the young man had no fortune and Anne allowed herself to be persuaded to give him up. Now, eight years later, Wentworth has returned to the neighbourhood, a rich man and still unwed. Anne's never diminished love is muffled by her pride and he seems cold and unforgiving. What happens as the two are thrown together in the social world of Bat and as an eager new suitor appears for Anne is touchingly and wittily told in a masterpiece that is also one of the most entrancing novels in the English language. Actually, yeah. Why actually? Well, this one... This one was sort of different to the other two we, we've read so far. Uh, Sense and Sensibility and uh, Emma. Yeah. For people who didn't listen to those episodes. I see. All right. And why wouldn't someone have listened to them shows? Have you ever listened to a podcast right from the beginning? Well, like... Shut up, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, yeah, yeah, I agree with Kleena. This one, this one was different. How so? Um, well, oh, sorry. Oh, uh, no, 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 you go oh, ahead. Just, just Kleena, sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, no, no, I was just going to say like it was, it sort of felt like there was less of like the characters in it. Like it was more about the story or like, or like not even about the story, like about the like idea Kind of the idea being the second chance thing, the idea of someone kind of having been persuaded to do something that they didn't want to do, um, but then getting a second chance to kind of, yeah, c- go back on that or change what had already happened. Th- that's kind of more what was at the center of it than the characters themselves. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like we didn't have much of like the dialogue that kind of shows up who people are um, that we talked about w- with Sense and Sensibility and Emma in the other episodes, you know, as being something that we really loved. That that kind of wasn't here. Um, but what was, though, was like a lot more focus on like the situation between Anne and Captain Wentworth. So that's, that's hard to say. <laughs> Anne and Captain Wentworth. Um, and it did end up making the story like way more romantic I thought actually before we get into all of that it might actually be good to kind of do some introductions on the characters themselves um, and a bit of a retrospective on the situation between Anne and Captain Wentworth um, 
yeah seriously like it took so long to decide on those damn excerpts like we better read all of them I swear to god <laughs> it didn't take that long Katie here lads I'm not messing but like we're dealing with addiction withdrawal here like more than 20 minutes away from her switch and she starts seeing shit on the ceiling okay like how do you know that Animal Crossing is played on the switch if you don't even like play it or anything like what's what's your game Chloe what, what's going on right now and also I thought you said that like people in Cabra weren't all into drugs what's this you know shit on the ceiling nonsense where, where are we getting that from if, if everybody's so clean living in uh, where you, your ends okay I'm going to take it that that is your come down talking because it's not even that that was insulting Katie it was just crap and also I don't like know about drugs I just listen to Kojak don't I is like the stuff on the ceiling thing not like a trance button reference though yes yes it is clean and thank you for noticing but it is also referenced in Kojak's absolute jam last point of that first album that you have to listen to right now me boy from Cabra I mean come on you gotta represent up in here I can be into K-pop and like homegrown Irish hip-hop at the same time that's all I'm saying okay Katie like I genuinely don't think you can is the thing why 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 do you say things that you like insist on like hurting me with why do you say these things that are just so hurtful that are just so cruel katie why do you do it is it weird that like i have a huge crush on luca palm's voice just his voice yeah no 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 that makes perfect sense (laughs) (laughs) anyway let's to move on uh, this is all very in keeping with the whole Regency novels Jane Austen thing I'm sure Kojak is is a huge Jane Austen fan um, but let's talk a bit about our main cast here um, so that we can get the scene set for the old snot fest uh, we're going to have uh, to deal with over Anne's broken heart but um, yeah starting off we've got Sir Walter and his three daughters of whom Anne is the middle child lady human Anyway, um, we've got a wee introduction for, for this particular crowd. Uh, Sersh, what do you think? Yeah, 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 sure thing. Oh, yeah, I've got it here. Yeah, super. Um, vanity was the beginning and end of Sir Walter Elliot's character. Vanity of person and of situation. He had been remarkably handsome in his youth and at 54 was still a very fine man. Few women could think more of their personal appearance than he did, nor could the valet of any new-made lord be more delighted with the place he held in society. He considered the blessing of beauty as inferior only to the blessing of a baronetcy. Bar- baronetcy. He's a, he's a baronet, okay? <laughs> I should have looked up how to pronounce that. Um, And the Sir Walter Elliot who united these gifts was the constant object of his warmest respect and devotion. Sir Walter, like a good father, prided himself on remaining single following his wife's death for his dear daughter's sake. For one daughter, his eldest, he would really have given up anything, which he had not been very much tempted to do. Elizabeth had succeeded at 16 to do all that was possible of her mother's rights and consequence and being very handsome and very like himself, her influence had always been great and they had gone on together most happily. His two other children were of very inferior value. Mary had acquired a little artificial importance by becoming Mrs. Charles Musgrove, but Anne, with an elegance of mind and sweetness of character, which must have placed her high with any people of real understanding, was nobody with either father or sister. Her word had no weight. Her convenience was always to give way. She was only Anne. Nice. And sure, whack on Lady Russell there, uh, 
for the crack. She is, uh, for those of you listening, friend of the family and Anne's beloved godmother and, and kind of her only friend, which is quite sad. Oh, uh, are you sure? Um, oh, oh, yeah, sure. It's it's only short anyway. Um, yes, Lady Russell. She was a benevolent, charitable, good woman and capable of strong attachments. Most correct in her conduct, strict in her notions of decorum and with manners that were held a standard of good breeding. She had a cultivated mind and was, generally speaking, rational and consistent. But she had prejudices on the side of an entry. She had a value for rank and consequence which blinded her a little to the faults of those who possessed them. She she is snob like basically is what we're saying here. Thanks for clarifying that, Chloe. Like Jesus, is that necessary? Do you actually need to like take a minute and go and catch a spider or whatever the shit it is you do in that Animal Crossing thing? Just because you are seriously beginning to get whatever the video game version of Hangry is right now. <laughs> like, like, genuinely, mice. <laughs> Very nice. But um, in the interest of time, well, kind of structure, time, whatever you want to call it, I want to kind of bypass us talking about those characters for like a few minutes. Aw, let's talk about Sir Walter's giant mirrors. And talk about the Michelle, my sweet. But let's first get stuck into the plot side of things. So, right, where we are, we've just introduced the guys. So Sir Walter, he's like spent all his money on, I don't know, hairspray or something. And moisturizer. Please, Saoirse, come on. My main man, Sir Walter, most definitely follows a multi-step routine involving like at least double cleansing, toner, essence, serum, sheet mask, and then like a day-night cream combo, depending on time of day and like the humidity outside. Like that's at least, and I mean, if he's gone for a full facial, you know, like there's going to be more involved. Please stop, please stop talking about that. The, the point is, the point is they are low on, on funds. But they look like, like a million quid, like proper. And... They're going to have to let their stately home to a naval officer um, for money. You know, they're, they're, they're the first, you know, uh, landlord, absentee people type situations. The bad people, the bad, the bad people. Um, so we've got the intro for this one here. Chloe, this uh, this is your main man shown off to excellent advantage. Do you want to take this one? Uh, attachment tree, is it? Do I get to do the other one about how all sailors are ugly too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's attachment three. <laughs> Okay, um, so, right, so this is like Sir Walter talking to his like land manager, PA type person, uh, Mr. Shepherd, his name is, and so Mr. Shepherd is telling Sir Walter about Admiral Croft, who's going to take over um, the house at Kellynch, or however it is you say that shit, um, and pay loads of money for letting him live there. And all. So, yeah, okay. Um, okay, so I found that she was not quite unconnected in this country. That's Admiral Croft's wife, Mrs. Croft, unsurprisingly, is her name. Um, I found out she was not quite unconnected in this country any more than her husband. That is to say, she is sister to a gentleman who lived a few years back at Monkford. I have no conception whom you mean, Shepherd. I remember no gentleman resident at Monkford since the time of old Governor Trent. You mean Mr. Wentworth, I suppose, said Anne. Mr. Shepherd was all gratitude. 
Wentworth was the very name. Mr. Wentworth was the very man. He had the curate of Monkford. I think that's like that's that's like a priest type situation, but he's allowed to get married now. He had the curate of Monkford, you know, Sir Walter, some time back for two or three years. Came there for the year odd five, I take it. You remember him, I'm sure. Wentworth. Oh, I went word, the curate of Monkford. You misled me by the term gentleman. I thought you were speaking of some man of property. Mr. Wentworth was a nobody, I remember. Quite unconnected, nothing to do with the Stratford family. One wonders how the names of so many of our nobility became so common. Oh, more wigs, all snatched. I mean, is Miss Austin just going to just leave all these wigs strewn around the place like this? Everyone's going to trip. It's a hazard to our guests. <laughs> For real. Who taught Chloe how to say strewn? <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. That, um, that leads us very nicely to the story between uh, Anne and Captain Wentworth. Um, Katie, what say you to, to getting us through this bit? Um, are you not better with this sappy stuff, though? I don't know that I'd call it sappy. It's a little sappy, dude. Come on, you take this one. Yeah, you haven't done a long one in ages, Sarah. Yeah, go on. Uh, okay. Um, all right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. He was not Mr. Wentworth, the former curate of Monkford, however suspicious appearances may be, but a Captain Frederick Wentworth, his brother, who being made commander in consequence of the action of St. Domingo and not immediately employed, had come to Somersetshire in the summer of 1806 and having no parent living, found a home for half a year at Monkford. He was, at that time, a remarkably fine young man with a great deal of intelligence, spirit and brilliancy and Anne, an extremely pretty girl with gentleness, modesty, taste and feeling. Half the sum of attraction on either side might have been enough, for he had nothing to do and she had hardly anyone to love, but the encounter of such lavish recommendations could not fail. They were gradually acquainted, and when acquainted, rapidly and deeply in love. It would be difficult to say which had seen highest perfection in the other, or which had been happiest, she in receiving his declarations and proposals, or him having them accepted. A short period of exquisite felicity followed, and but a short one. Troubles soon arose. Sir Walter, on being applied to, without actually withholding his consent or saying it should never be, gave it all the negative of great astonishment, great coldness, great silence, and a professed resolution of doing nothing for his daughter. He thought it a very degrading alliance, and Lady Russell, though with more temperate and pardonable pride, received it as a most unfortunate one. Anne Elliot, with all her claims of birth, beauty and mind, to throw herself away at 19, involve herself at 19 in an engagement with a young man who had nothing but himself to recommend him, and no hopes of attaining affluence but in the chances of a most uncertain profession, and no connections to secure even his further rise in the profession, would be indeed a throwing away, which she grieved to think of. Anne Elliot, so young, known to so few, to be snatched off by a stranger without alliance or fortune, or rather sunk by him into a state of most wearing, anxious, youth-killing dependence. It must not be, if by any fair interference of friendship, any representations from one who had almost a mother's love and mother's rights, it would be prevented. Captain Wentworth had no fortune. He had been lucky in his profession, but spending freely what had come freely had realised nothing. But he was confident that he should soon be rich. Full of life and ardour, he knew that he should soon have a ship, 
and soon would be on a station that would lead to everything he wanted. He had always been lucky. He knew he should be so still. Such confidence, powerful in its own warmth and bewitching in the wit which often expressed it, must have been enough for Anne, but Lady Russell saw it differently. His sanguine temper, his fearlessness of mind operated very differently on her. She saw in it but an aggravation of the evil. It only added a dangerous character to himself. He was brilliant. He was headstrong. Lady Russell had little taste for wit and of anything approaching to imprudence, a horror. She deprecated the connection in every light. Such opposition, as these feelings produced, was more than Anne could combat. Young and gentle as she was, it might yet have been possible to withstand her father's ill will, though unsoftened by one kind word or look on the part of her sister. But Lady Russell, whom she had always loved and relied on, could not, with such steadiness of opinion and such tenderness of manner, be continually advising her in vain. She was persuaded to believe the engagement a wrong thing. Indiscreet, improper, hardly capable of success and not deserving it. But it was not a merely selfish caution under which she acted in putting an end to it. Had she not imagined herself consulting his good even more than her own, she could hardly have given him up. The belief of being prudent and self-denying principally for his advantage was her chief consolation. Under the misery of a parting, a final parting, and every consolation was required for she had to encounter all the additional pain of opinions, on his side, totally unconvinced and unbending, and of his feeling himself ill-used by so forced a relinquishment. He had left the country in consequence. A few months had seen the beginning and the end of their acquaintance, but not with a few months ended Anne's share of suffering from it. Her attachment and regrets had, for a long time, clouded every enjoyment of youth, and an early loss of bloom and spirits had been their lasting effect. More than seven years were gone since this little history of sorrowful interest had reached its close, and time had softened down much, perhaps nearly all, of peculiar attachment to him, but she had been too dependent on time alone. No aid had been given in change of place, except in one visit to Bath soon after the rupture, or in any novelty or enlargement of society. No one had ever come within the Kellyinch circle who could bear a comparison with Frederick Wentworth. As he stood in her memory, no second attachment the only thoroughly natural, happy and sufficient cure at her time of life, had been possible to the nice tone of her mind, the fastidiousness of her taste in the small limits of the society around them. She had been solicited, when about two and twenty, to change her name by the young man who had not long afterwards found a more willing mind in her younger sister, and Lady Russell had lamented her refusal, for Charles Musgrove was the eldest son of a man whose landed property and general importance were second in that country only to Sir Walter's and of good character and appearance and however Lady Russell might have asked yet for something more while Anne was 19 she should have rejoiced to see her at 22 so respectfully removed from the partialities and injustice of her father's house and settled so permanently near herself but in this case Anne had left nothing for advice to do and though Lady Russell as satisfied as ever with her own discretion never wished the past undone she began now to have the anxiety which bordered on hopelessness for Anne's being tempted by some man of talents and independence to enter a state for which she held her to be particularly fitted by her warm affections and domestic habits. They knew not of each other's opinion, either its constancy or its change, on the one leading point of Anne's conduct, for the subject was never alluded to. But Anne, at seven and twenty, thought very differently from what she had been made to think at nineteen. She did not blame Lady Russell. 
She did not blame herself for having been guided by her. But she felt that any young person in similar circumstances to apply to her for counsel, they would never receive any of such certain immediate wretchedness, such uncertain future good. She was persuaded that under every disadvantage of disappropriation at home and every anxiety attending his profession, with all their probable fears, delays and disappointments, she should yet have been a happier woman in maintaining the engagement than she had been in the sacrifice of it. And this, she fully believed, had the usual share, had even more than the usual share of all such solicitudes and suspense been theirs, without reference to the actual results of their case, which, as it happened, would have bestowed earlier prosperity than could have been reasonably calculated on. All his sanguine expectations, all his confidence had been justified. His genius and ardour had seemed to foresee and to command his prosperous path. He had, very soon after their engagement ceased, got employ, and all that he had told her would follow had taken place. He had distinguished himself and early gained the other step in rank and must now, by successive captures, have made a handsome fortune. She had only navy lists and newspapers for her authority, but she could not doubt his being rich and, in favour of his constancy, she had no reason to believe him married. How eloquent could Anne Elliot have been? How eloquent at least were her wishes on the side of early warm attachment and a cheerful confidence in futurity against that over-anxious caution which seems to insult exertion and distrust providence. She had been forced into prudence in her youth. She learned romance as she grew older. The natural sequel of an unnatural beginning. With all these circumstances, recollections and feelings, she could not hear that Captain Wentworth's sister was likely to live at Kellynch without a revival of former pain. And many a stroll and many a sigh were necessary to dispel the agitation of the idea. She often told herself it was folly, before she could harden her nerves sufficiently to feel the continual discussion of the Crofts and their business no evil. She was assisted, however, by that perfect indifference and apparent unconsciousness among the only three of her friends in the secret of the past, which seemed almost to deny any recollection of it. She could do justice to the superiority of Lady Russell's motives in this, over those of her father and Elizabeth. She could honour all the better feelings of her calmness, but the general air of oblivion among them was highly important from whatever it had sprung. And in the event of Admiral Crofts really taking Kelly and Hall, she rejoiced anew over the conviction which had always been the most grateful to her, of the past being known to those only three among her connections, by whom no syllable, she believed, would ever be whispered, and in the trust that among his, the brother only with whom he had been residing, had received any information of their short-lived engagement. That brother had been long removed from the country, and being a sensible man, and moreover a single man at the time, she had a fond dependence on no human creatures having heard of it from him. The sister, Mrs. Croft, had then been out of England, accompanying her husband on a foreign station, and then her own sister, Mary, had been at school while it all occurred, and had never admitted by the pride of some and the delicacy of others to the smallest knowledge of it afterwards. With these supports, she hoped that the acquaintance between herself and the Crofts, which, with Lady Russell still resident in Kellynch and Mary fixed only three miles off, must be anticipated, need not involve any particular awkwardness. Oh, holy crap, that was long. Oh my God, I need to lie down. <laughs> no, seriously, that was Sarah. That was class. Nice. <laughs> yeah, agreed. No, seriously, that was amazing. It's so sad. I just, oh my God. I just, it's really hard to know if I prefer like that depth of feeling in there, you know, to 
the quality of the dialogue in the other books. It really seems like the the trade-off. Well, actually, before we get into that, there is one more thing I wanted to share. Ladies and gentlemen, a number of our college advertisers have reached out to us. You're not serious. I thought I told you about this. Uh, no. I, no way. Oh my God. Like, yeah, the the guys from Dodoy, they reached out to me. They, like, they're doing their own social distancing podcasty type version of their show. Uh, is that not them, like, stealing our idea? It sounds like they're sort of spurred on by our success, Chloe. Exactly. Thank you, Sersh. Appreciate that, fam. I got you, blood. It sounds so incredibly wrong. That's all you're going to say about that? You're not going to give them the whole cultural appropriation speech, no? Sersha knows what she's done wrong, okay? I really, really do. <laughs> well, do you know what? That's <laughs> enough of that. Let's move on. Let's have a word from our friends at Dodoy. And after that, we'll be back with uh, more persuasion. So uh, stay tuned for more Chicklet for Life. So it turns out all you need for a call-in show is a phone line and a mic. So Dodoy is back. Denise Doyle is ready to listen to your socially distanced concerns from within her quarantine compound, also known as the converted attic at home. So sit back, get ready, and... Pete, what are you doing? Uh, I have to train. Dude, you've been downstairs scratching your balls and playing Animal Crossing for the last 12 goddamn hours, and now, now, all of a sudden, you've got to train. Jesus Christ. Oh, I need to work on my striking. Jesus. Why? Uh, because I'm nearly protecting my spinning back kicks. You oh. cannot do a spinning back kick. Gee, um. Uh, how would you know? Because you can't. Uh, how would you know? Because you can't. Uh, how would you know? Man, Peter, what are you doing? I'm trying to record my show. Is that it? Do you think she sent the wrong file, maybe? Maybe it's like a new weird, like, meta thing she's, like, trying. Nah, I'd say she sent the wrong file. I probably, probably should have listened to it before I played it. You're only one person, Sarah. Like, how are you gonna, like, do your assignments, run this show, and sleep in till 12 every day? Like, how would that even work? Right? No, thank you, Chloe. These are the key considerations. I, I appreciate you keeping me grounded like that. I mean, I'm here for you. That's all I'm saying. But, um, yeah, m- moving on from uh, Denise's pretty crazy ad right there. But, like, call in to Didoy using the number they didn't give, right? Yeah, that's that's advertising, Right? Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, um, Jane Austen. So we had quite the uh, the lengthy excerpt before we took uh, that break there. Um, thoughts? Um, well, I mean, like we were saying at the beginning, you know, there's, there's kind of less, we thought anyway, um, that there was like less concentration on like the individual characters in the book compared to Emma and, and Sense and Sensibility, which we which we've read um, in the earlier episodes. Explain. <laughs> well, um, in Sense and Sensibility and in Emma, right, there is like a lot of energy put into like rounding out the specific characters like when say Eleanor in Sense and Sensibility has like a bunch of dialogue when you're reading it it feels like really Eleanor 
you know, um, same for Marianne, same for Emma, you know, you get a feel for, for who they are, you can see them, you can sort of hear the, the, the quality of their voice almost, you know, and, and it's even the same for like peripheral characters. I mean, where Mr. Woodhouse talks, you can feel how precious he is, but also like how warm and caring he is, you know, and like when Mr. Palmer talks, you know, in, in Sense and Sensibility, and he's, he's quite the peripheral character. But like when he's talking, you can appreciate just how much he enjoys like opposing his wife and everything and how important it is to him to feel superior and stuff. You know, it's the, the dialogue and, and how the, the different characters kind of bounce off each other um, that, that kind of highlights all of that in, in those particular books. Yeah. And then in this book, like in Persuasion, it's like they're just there just isn't as much dialogue like we sort of spend a lot less time in like the room with the characters and more time in Anne's head instead oh I like that yeah that's actually like a really good way of putting it well I I don't what <laughs> no like like you know the way in like Sense and Sensibility and Emma they're like there are all these really like super like energetic conversation between folks where they're like snatching wigs yeah yeah mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. yeah and it's like super yeah sparkly and funny and it's like it's it's like you're there in the room where the the conversation is like happening yeah screaming and pointing at the snatchy yes katie what is your point exactly <laughs> in this book that isn't like really there so like instead we spend a lot of time like seeing what like Anne is thinking or seeing the scene she's looking at instead of like participating in it in the middle of the different characters like do, do you know do you know what I mean kind of so like so like we are Anne kind of because we're like in her head is that what you're saying I suppose you could you could see it that way. Yeah, you could you could be Anne while you're reading the book if you wanted to be. I guess it's definitely a lot easier to feel the way she's feeling than it is to feel like the way, say, Emma is feeling or like Marianne. You know, like their faults are more like plain than Anne's or something, and it's easier to like distance yourself from them or like see them as as separate people, and you can kind of pass ju- not not judgment, but you know, kind of weigh up the the pros and cons of what they're doing. Whereas Anne, it's uh, I had to really consciously think about, you know, separating myself from her in, in while I was reading. It's kind of hard to to put into words, but yeah, no, 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 I, I agree, Chloe. But like with with the the characters in the other books, the, the Marianne's and, and Emma's and all, like you kind of don't know as much about their like, I guess motivation is that the word you'd use? Like you know everything that's going on with Anne before she does something, you know. And and with the others, you kind of don't really know why they did something until like after the fact or, or during the thing when they're talking about it out loud. It's like with Anne, you kind of get that that ahead of time and that kind of you're kind of biased towards her a little bit then. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, I do think that, yeah, you know, kind of what she's thinking. And I think that that kind of you experience what she's experiencing then as well, as opposed to kind of watching a character do something the way you're watching Eleanor and Marianne do their sensing and sensibilitying. Um, we kind of, we see what Anne is thinking about before she does something and then we kind of experience her like sensations, I guess. This is all very wanky. Um, but like, <laughs> that's that's kind of, you're more in the experience with Anne. And, and I wonder, is that, kind of what made the 
the romance side of things way more like compelling I guess in this book well, like, I mean, those last few chapters, I mean, like, as genuinely, I like the whole thing that, you know, this is happening. Oh, my God, is it? Wait, he looked at me. Oh, my God, he looked again. What does it mean? Ah, oh, it's it was just it was like genuinely going through that. It was. It was a bit like going through it. It was proper. It was proper. Actually, before we skip to the end, maybe we should talk about the, the whole romance side of things. I mean, we had that big excerpt before we, we finished up um, the first half of the show. Let's go back and talk about Anne and Captain Wentworth. Set things up for the rest of the book. No? Oh, Maybe? of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. do it, man. Alrighty. So we had in the excerpt just there that Anne and Captain Wentworth, um, then, of course, without the financial freedoms that were required in, in marriage back then, um, they had met seven years before the events of this book, Persuasion, um, were mad about each other, wanted to get married, but Anne's family... And kind of most importantly, Lady Russell talked her out of it. So after that, she sort of retreated into herself, lost her bloom, as they put it, and basically got a bit, you know, depressed and forgotten about. So horrible, the idea of like a family interfering like that. I can't imagine like telling someone that they shouldn't be with the person that they love, you know? Didn't you say that like your mom pretty much talked Dermot out of his relationship with that restaurant hostess person in New York? No, that was totally different. We were like fully sure she was a stripper and what's to say that like being a naval officer without a fortune was the 19th century version of having you know a side gig as a stripper in new york in 2020 well it was 2019 and dermot wasn't going to like marry her you know my mom just mentioned that she was like concerned for her that she didn't seem to have like a long-term plan she wasn't being mean you know she was super worried about starla her name was the girl's name was Starla. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay, that does kind of change things a little. No, 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 no. Now you guys are being mean. You are, you are. And you're making me mean as well. No, 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 no. We don't even know if that's why they broke up. You know, Dear said that like their schedules were just too different. He was really busy with college and stuff. And it was just really hard for them to like spend time together. Schedule. Is that what you're calling it? What does that mean? Oh, you know what it means. I really don't. I never should have told you guys about it. Well, you absolutely should have included that her name was Starla. I have to say that is capturing my imagination a little bit. It really, really is. No, 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 no. Let's go back to Anne. I really don't want to know where your imagination could be going, Chloe. It, um, I find it terrifying. You know, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, Anne. Um, I sort of, I sort of thought she was a bit like, submissive like and we were talking about this i think it'd be worth worth talking about a little yeah 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 we were yeah like it's yeah she could have told like lady russell and stuff to like go do an unpleasant thing to herself excellent self-censoring there Kay. i might have had an aneurysm holding that one in i'm just i'm just saying <laughs> call an ambulance <laughs> no no like seriously katie like i know lately we haven't been seeing eye to eye you know over my you know lifestyle k-pop is not a lifestyle chloe being Jesus. an army is a full-time commitment katie okay do not talk about things that you don't understand you got no jams jimmy oh. I, do, I, do, I don't I, I do not want to know i i do, i i don't i don't want to know and and i shall not tell you because i care okay but what I was about to say before I was so rudely interrupted was, yes, I know we haven't been seeing eye to eye lately, Katie, on account of my lifestyle, but 
I don't know how you managed to hold that in and you should be very, very proud of yourself. I would have said, you know, that Lady Russell should go. Thanks, 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 man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah, I don't mean like necessarily that like Anne should have pushed back that hard just over the whole Captain Wentworth thing. Like, like, yeah, she was only 19 and people were like looking out for her. But like, but like throughout the book, like the main thing she's praised for is like being super forbearing and like following instruction well. Like, like when her family moved to Bath after letting the house and stuff. She, like, goes to stay with her sister Mary for a while and basically, like, she just endures Mary being a total bitch and, like, the worst kind of idiot for, like, weeks and weeks. Yeah, yeah. And then when they go to the seaside. Ah, seaside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're all hilarious. Oh, my God. But, yes, when they go to the seaside, (laughs) someone falls ill. Oh, Oh, very good. Yes. Saving that one. Um, But, yeah, um, with this illness thing. Everyone sort of looks to Anne instinctively, like there's like no issue at all with her like being the person to look after everything. Like, you know, she doesn't have her own life or things she might want to do. She's just, yeah, totally happy with like looking after everyone else. Everyone just assumes that that's the case. Yeah, but like doesn't like Anne kind of like that, like her temperament is like that she doesn't mind looking after people. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like we have a quick excerpt here where Captain Wentworth, who's, yeah, who's part of the friend group now just to, you know, mess with Anne. Seriously though, like why does that happen? You've got like someone you're mad about or like you've got like loads of history with or whatever and then all of a sudden they've like infiltrated your friend group and you have to see them all the time and you're spending bleeding three hours getting ready just to go around Tara's house in case they're there. Mostly Dara. Like he wasn't with Tara at all and then suddenly he decides he's into Taekwondo as well he was a bleeding psycho pretty glad you saw the back of him in fairness Claw it's bad news oh I saw the back of him Ari why does that sound filthy because it is oh my god dude <laughs> anyway um, yeah Captain Wentworth all of it and just being the good girl to get the situation kind of sorted out with the person that had gotten ill but then he was also like genuinely slagging her off to somebody else for being so all about other people which was kind of confusing yeah he kind of yeah he is he's kind of yeah negging her well, well no he's not because like he doesn't know that she can hear so again this is one of the cases where we're in Anne's head and like we know he's talking about Anne because we know the history and stuff but like and, and as a result you know we feel as hurt as she is but you know he's just he's kind of I think he's more being stupid than malicious do you have that excerpt actually Sarah yeah 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 here um it is the worst evil of too yielding and indecisive a character that no influence over it can be depended on. You are never sure of a good impression being durable. Everybody may sway it. Let those who would be happy be firm. Here is a nut, said he. There, I believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Is that is that what's in that Marvin Gaye song? <laughs> Why are you? You make everything so boring. You make everything so boring. Eating into your precious Sir Walter time here, Chloe. Uh, Kleena, why aren't you reading your thing? Come on, come on, come on. Snap, snap. Or whatever the shitty word. What? 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 Mm. <clears throat> I'm not going to say nothing else until it's my time to talk. That's my girl. <laughs> Kleena, what do you think? I don't understand what's happening. None of us do, man. <laughs> 
what's what was the line that that you wanted to share oh yeah um yeah the the theater or the rooms were not fashionable enough for the elliots whose evening amusements were solely in the elegant stupidity of private parties <laughs> that's class yeah i love that like elegant stupidity but i thought that was amazing <laughs> genuinely uh search Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My one's my one's a little longer. Uh, well, it's not the the line is just one line, but um, the the what it's about is someone's character is being called into question. But I won't say who it is because that'll ruin it. Um, but the the line is that this person's character, like the Sultan S. Sherazada's head, must live another day. So. I didn't know what that meant. I'd never heard of this story. So I looked it up and I thought it was pretty cool. Um, the, the story is that um, one day this monarch, so this, this, I beg your pardon, this comes from the, um, the, the Thousand and One Nights, um, the, the, an old sort of Eastern tome. Um, just wanted to use the phrase tome um, in, the, in the, the podcast today. Yes, winning. Um, so the, the it's it's this story that goes yes this this particular king found out one day that his first wife was unfaithful to him so he in order to make sure that no one was ever unfaithful to him ever again he resolved to marry a virgin first of all um every day and behead the previous day's wife so he would only be married to each woman for one night um, so she wouldn't have the, the opportunity to be unfaithful to him, which is hideous. Um, so he had killed a thousand and one women like that by the time he was introduced to Shehrazada, who was the, um, yeah, and I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but that's that's what I'm going with. Um, and she was the um, the royal vizier's daughter, so the Jafar situation. <laughs> um, and the thing is, um, she went to his chambers you know they did the whole getting married thing um so she asked the king when she was uh, when she went to see him could she say goodnight to her sister her sister was was very close to her and she 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 wanted to say goodbye to her so the king allowed it um brought the sister in and uh the sister asked um Sherazada to to tell her a story um, so the king lay awake and listened as 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 she told this story and and um, she didn't finish it. She stopped in the middle. So the king asked her to finish, um, but Sherazada said that there was no time. Dawn was breaking. The night was over. So the king was like, "Okay, here, this story is just too good. This is a desperate housewife's good." Um, and I need to hear the rest of it. So he spared her life for another night. And she kept doing the same thing um, over and over again. Um, and she she was able to keep those stories going for a thousand and one nights, a thousand stories. So at that point, she told the king she had no more tales to tell him. However, by then he had fallen in love with her and refused to kill her. And they yet lived happily ever after or whatever you want to say. Um, so that's that's what that was. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, you're all a share of bitches. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Chloe. Chloe, would you like to regale us with your tales of Sir Walter? Oh, my God. 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 I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So, right. So, yes. Sir Walter. 
gorgeous, amazing Sir Walter, okay? He's trying to rent out the house to someone and it turns out that it might be somebody from the Navy. Uh, Admiral Croft, we met him earlier. So, like, he's just, oh, he's horrified. He just can't, he just can't handle it, okay? So, he, and, like, people don't really understand why he's got such, like, a horror of people who are in, like, the Navy. So, um, he goes into it in some detail. Let's begin. Here, Anne spoke. The Navy, I think, who have done so much for us, have at least an equal claim with any other set of men for all the comforts and all the privileges which any home can give. Sailors work hard enough for their comforts, we must all allow. Very true, very true. What Miss Anne says is very true, was Mr. Shepherd's rejoinder, and oh, certainly was his daughter's, who was also there. But Sir Walter's remark was, soon afterwards, the profession has its utility, but I should be sorry to see any friend of mine belonging to it. Indeed, was the reply from Mr. Shepherd, with a look of surprise. Yes, it is in two points offensive to me. I have two strong grounds of objection to it. First, as being the means of bringing persons of obscure birth into undue distinction and raising men to honours which their fathers and grandfathers never dreamt of. And secondly, as it cuts up a man's youth and vigour most horribly. A sailor grows old sooner than any other man. I have observed it all my life. A man is in greater danger in the Navy of being insulted by the rise of one whose father... His father might have disdained to speak to and of becoming prematurely an object of disgust himself than in any other line. One day, last spring, in town, I was in company with two men, striking instances of what I am talking of. Lord St. Ives, whose father we all know to have been a country curate, (gasps) without bread to eat. I was to give place to Lord St. Ives? And a certain Admiral Baldwin, the most deplorable looking personage you can imagine, his face the colour of mahogany, rough and rugged to the last degree, all lines and wrinkles, nine grey hairs of a side and nothing but a dab of powder at the top. In the name of heaven, who is that old fellow? I said to a friend of mine who was standing near, Sir Basil Morley. Old fellow, cried Sir Basil, it is Admiral Baldwin. What do you take his age to be? Sixty, said I. Or perhaps 62. 40, replied Sir Basil. 40 and no more. Picture to yourselves my amazement. I shall not easily forget Admiral Baldwin. I never saw quite so wretched an example of what a seafaring life can do. But to a degree I know it is the same with them all. They are all knocked about and exposed to every climate and every weather till they are not fit to be seen. It is a pity they are not knocked on the head all at once before they reach Admiral Baldwin's age. Are you, are you done or is that a dramatic pause? Oh, don't you know I'm done? That was so much, Katie. Thanks, Chloe. That was, no, that was everything I dreamt it would be. And and more besides, my friend. I just love him so much. He's such a bitch. It's amazing. Like Him and Mary being like ridiculous was, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, that and, and, and finding happiness. It was a very satisfying book to read, seriously. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not often you come across like a character that's not like, like, oh, I'm a victim when, when they're in that kind of situation. Hmm. 
Yeah, I just, I, I do think I would have liked her to have been a bit more dynamic. But it is, it is beautiful. It is a beautiful book. <laughs> and and there we have it, guys. We're we're actually over for 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 this week. But again, we don't really have a time constraint given our current format and and the the incoming end of days. So, but thanks everyone for for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with with more Jane Austen. I think we're going to try a double header next week. Um, Mansfield Park and Northanger Abbey. Do I have that right, Serge? You do indeed. Alrighty, so maybe we'll we'll leave it there. Um, thanks, yeah, everybody for listening. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Stay inside. Wear a mask if you've got one. If not, just breathe into your hand I guess and then wash your hand actually don't do any of that that was that was yeah just do the hand washing the staying inside the two kilometers um from your house uh, yeah be safe be safe guys we're 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 thinking of you you're you're doing a great job with the social distancing keep it up um we'll we'll talk to you next week